Welcome everybody to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Gerd Molin, and as always, enjoy the music. Yeah, welcome back, welcome back. Um, thank you for tuning in. And first and foremost, I hope you're doing fine wherever you are right now. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. <laughs> You'll notice this episode is completely unedited, very raw, very imperfect. So welcome, and I hope you will enjoy it. Um, yeah, this episode is going to be it's very, very interesting. So I didn't plan for it as many episodes <laughs> and had really had to, so something happened this week and when it happened and also like my reflections on it and also like the implications, I didn't notice how important actually this moment was and actually how closely or let's put it that way, if I hadn't, probably I would have reacted completely different in the past when I didn't, when I didn't develop like such a strong relation to how my body reacts and I was like seeing my, how my body as an, an intelligence way beyond me. And actually that's a very like, although I'd say body to intuition or your heart is such an yeah, deep teacher, a guide, so to say. And yeah, I want to talk about this in this episode. But before we get started, um, yeah, the most important announcement. <laughs> if you listen to previous episodes, you might have noticed I like to drink black tea or coffee. And then I was I got very bored of the same kind of like twilings, Earl, Earl, Earl Grey tea. And in Vienna, you don't have really cool well there are but not as many tea shops and then i found a stumble upon this really cool espresso coffee house or coffee shop and first of all like it's run run by these really cool italians and you walk inside and it's like oh, it kind of like scre screams italian espresso culture i love it and you have like all these amazing italian beans and grinders and espresso makers everything you need amazing and they also had, so I was buying this um, Italian beans from my dad at home. And then they had, uh, they had tea, really cool tea. And from Rohnfeld, never heard before. But I bought uh, this Darjeeling. I actually have no idea how to pronounce it. Darjeeling, if it would be Finnish. Darjeeling, English something. Anyways, Darjeeling Summer Gold Indian Tea. Black, it's Indian black tea, summer tea. It's delicious. Wow. The flavors, the subtleties. Mmm. I'm gonna take a sip for you now and hope you can hear how amazing this tea tastes. Wow. So flowery, but not not in the artificial. Very subtle. Very soft. I would describe it. Almost like a, mm, 
pinkish, reddish, soft cloud in your mouth. <laughs> Summer cloud. <laughs> but you see it sunset. That's the kind of tea I'm drinking right now. Delicious. So yeah, this week. Mm. Very interesting. So, and I actually wrote this down a few times now in the past week. So, in the mornings, I always meditate. And for me, it's a way to really tune in with myself before I engage with the world and allow the world to, yeah, I invite the world, so to say. And for me, meditation has become something to actually a practice of listening and not doing anything. You start listening to what's inside of there. And once you realize that, and once you deepen your meditation, you understand that, wow, there's like, you're able to connect to a very deep network of wisdom and knowledge and you have no idea where it comes from. And it's very subtle. It's really like, it's almost like a communication without talking. A communication without seeing anything. It's more like a communication of feeling. It's almost like your whole body is in touch with this immense collective consciousness with nature itself. And this is a state of deep meditation. I've, I wouldn't say it, it took me time to reach it. And also, like it also like became stronger and stronger in the last month, to be honest. But it's fascinating to observe, observe this. And I think it was a few weeks ago, I wrote down in my journal to the path of not seeing. Or walking without seeing. I think that's what I wrote down. Walking without seeing. And today I wrote it down again because like this week was, um, I would call it a walk, walking without knowing. And what inspired me to this one sentence, it was the difference between dreaming and surrendering. And we know we're all now dreaming. We know how the world should be when we grow up, when we get out of school, or during school, during childhood. We dream about life. We dream about what we want to become, who we're going to be, who we're going to be with, how life will be. That's dreaming. We're actually using our mind for something that is not meant to be. That is to find answers to life. That is to create a path. That is to plan life. And at least I've experienced this in my last years that this is actually not what our mind is meant to do. Actually, our mind is there for creativity, for creating, for solving problems, but not life problems. Not understanding why we're here. Or This is something that is way beyond us. And in this aspect, we just have to have complete faith and trust and surrender. And for this, we have to first be able to silence the chatter in our mind and really calm, create space to be able to tap into this communication without, without words. And so what happened this week, 
there was something I agreed to um, some something something to agree to to go to to do something and the closer this date approached where the strong my body started to react like I felt in the mornings like uh, there was like no joy um I was like the closer I got to the date the more I realized actually I don't look forward to it at all there was no joy involved my body clearly clearly sent me the signals in the mornings my chest tightened up I felt heavier I felt like oh, I don't know what's what's going on I mean like there's nothing there's nothing wrong about the thing I committed to or like the things I should do or like um, I should go with but at that point I knew my body's trying to tell me something and I agreed too hazily to do something without actually really going a few layers deeper and understand and asking myself, am I really want to do this? Is this really aligned with what I'm doing right now and who I am? And the crazy part, and I hope I'm, you know, like I'm trying to mm-hmm. convey this, what happened. Um, not exactly, it's not important what exactly I committed to or what's, what happened. It's more about like, at that point I knew I can't do it. But I didn't know why. The only thing I had knew for sure that I need, at this point, there was like this crazy battle in my mind about, hey, if I now decline or say I can't do it, what would they think, what happens this, and blah, 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 blah. So your rational mind became very crazy. Like, I didn't really want to understand rationally, which doesn't make sense, why I wouldn't do it. But at this point, all I knew is I need to trust my body. I need to trust my intuition. I need to, some. it's trying to communicate with me something. And at this point, it's so difficult to work against your mind, which tries to convince you and tries to doubt you. But I followed through and I was like, no, I have developed this trust in my, every time my body gave me a strong signal either to do something or not do something, it was always right. And it was right again. And I think it just became, so at this, at this moment, I was like, for me, it didn't feel so important to talk about this event. For, but then again, I thought about it. So if you listen to the first time, we're working on an amazing app, Lumi. It's a, what do I say, joyful, personalized, personal growth app um, that really helps you to engage with yourself in a very joyful and light way. And what is the ultimate goal? Because here we want to help people to develop this relationship with their inner knowledge, inner world, which knows everything actually. And to have trust again that when your body reacts, and I'm not, I think here we have to be careful. Like I'm not talking about uh, body like in terms of cravings or pleasures. It's a different kind of body reaction. We're talking about this really deep, deep, deep knowing, intuition. 
And for many, and for me certainly, this intuition, this bodily reaction can be overwritten so easily by our rational mind. And the more you do it, the weaker your intuition and signals become. You will never lose them. And I can guarantee you, it will become stronger and stronger the longer you ignore it. But then it becomes very painful. Because <laughs> your body really wants to show you it. What are you doing here right now? So the trick is to really trust what the body tries to communicate to you, with you, that there's something. And maybe at this point you don't know why exactly, but you have to trust it. And that's the path of not knowing, the path of not seeing, because your rational mind doesn't see why you decided that way right now. And then, of course, people ask you, why, why, do, you, why do you decide that way? And it's uncomfortable to say, I don't know, I don't know why. But I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to go for this, decide this, or decline this. And it's uncomfortable not being able to understand why, but you have to trust that your intuition, your body, your deep knowledge always is there for you. Mm -hmm. And why is this important? Because it's so important that we as a human race develop again this healthy and beautiful relationship to our inner inner world, to our intuition, our body, because that's that's your ultimate source of truth and will always be. It's not a guru, it's not a book, it's not a religion, it's not an influencer, it's not an app. It's always you and your inner world and your intuition that is your ultimate source of truth for finding a path and making decisions that are truly aligned with your true nature. And ultimately we'll see that this true nature always wants to create situations, win-win situations for everyone, wants to create situations of joy, peace and love and collaboration. Yeah. And then I want to watch today, it's going to be yeah, this reflection, 50 minutes of reflection, 60 minutes, and then I want to watch with you Just Let Go by Ellen Waltz. I only watched one minute, so I'm going to watch it with you. You're going to listen to it. It's going to be eight minutes by Ellen Watts. Just let go. I found it the first minute quite fitting and I think I wanted to listen yeah, with you together this episode on, on, on YouTube. So let's enjoy this together. Just let go by Ellen Watts. I will share the link in the show notes. And let's go. Today, I stand before you to explore a concept that holds immense power, yet often eludes our grasp. The art of letting go. Because you see, to be detached from the world in the sense that Buddhists and Taoists and Hindus will often talk about detachment does not mean to be non-participative. You can have a sexual life 
very rich and very full, and yet all the time be detached. By that I don't mean that you just go through it mechanically and have your thoughts elsewhere. I mean a complete participation, but still detached. And the difference of the two attitudes is this. On the one hand, there is a way of being so anxious about physical pleasure, so afraid that you won't make it, that you grab it too hard, that you, you just have to have that thing. And if you do that, you destroy it completely. And therefore, after every attempt to get it, you feel disappointed. You feel empty, you feel something was lost. And therefore, you want it again. You have to keep repeating, 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 because you never really got there. And it's this that is the hang-up. This is what is meant by attachment to this world, in an evil sense. But on the other hand, pleasure in its fullness cannot be experienced when one is grasping it. I knew a little girl to whom someone gave a bunny rabbit. She was so delighted with the bunny rabbit and so afraid of losing it that taking it home in the car, she squeezed it to death with love. And lots of parents do that to their children and lots of spouses do it to each other they hold on too hard and so take the life out of this transient beautifully fragile thing that life is to have it to have life and to have its pleasure you must at the same time let go of it and then you can feel perfectly free to have that pleasure in the most gutsy rollicking earthy lip-licking way, one's whole being taken over by a kind of undulative, convulsive uh, ripple, which is like the very pulse of life itself. This can happen only if you let go, if you are willing to be abandoned. It's funny that word, abandon. We speak of people who are dissolute as being abandoned, but we can also use abandon as the characteristic of a saint. A great spiritual book by a Jesuit father is called Abandonment to the Divine Providence. There are people like that who just aren't hung up. They are the poor in spirit. That is to say, they in spiritually are poor in the sense they don't cling on to any property. They don't carry burdens around. They're free. Well, just that thought of spiritual poverty, that let-go-ness, is quite essential for the enjoyment of any kind of pleasure at all. So, the concern of Buddha as a young man, the problem he wanted to solve, was the problem of human suffering. And so, he formulated his teaching in a very easy way to remember. Uh, all those Buddhist scriptures are full of what you might call mnemonic tricks, numbering things in such a way that they're easy to remember. 
And so he proposed, he summed up his teaching in the form of what are called the Four Noble Truths. And the first one, which because it was his main concern, was the truth about Dukkha. Dukkha, suffering. The next thing that comes up, the second of the Noble Truths, is about the cause of suffering. And this in Sanskrit is called Trishna. Trishna is related to our word thirst. It's very often translated desire. That will do. Better perhaps is craving, clinging, grasping, or even to use our modern psychological word, blocking. When, for example, somebody is blocked and dithers and hesitates and doesn't know what to do, he is in the strictest Buddhist sense attached. He's stuck. But a Buddha can't be stuck. He cannot be phased. He always flows, just as water always flows, even if you dam it. The river just keeps on getting higher and higher and higher until it flows over the dam. It's unstoppable. Now, Buddha said then, Dukkha comes from Trishna. You all suffer because you cling to the world. And you don't recognize that the world is Anitya and Anatman. So then, try, if you can, not to grasp. Well, do you see that that immediately poses a problem? Because the student who has started off this dialogue with the Buddha <laughs> then makes various efforts to give up desire. Upon which he very rapidly discovers that he is desiring not to desire. And he takes that back to the teacher who says, well, well, well. He said, of course, you are desiring not to desire, and that's, of course, excessive. All I want you to do is to give up desiring as much as you can. Don't want to go beyond the point of which you're capable. And for this reason, Buddhism is called the middle way. Not only is it the middle way between the extremes of ascetic discipline and pleasure-seeking, but it's also the middle way in a very subtle sense. Yes, don't desire to give up more desire than you can. And if you find that a problem, don't desire to be successful in giving up more desire than you can. Wow, uh, that's beautiful. I think um, one thing that stuck, so I listened to this first time as well, I think for me, just what resonated really strongly was the concept of, I think he mentioned, he said he blocked the modern psychological 
modern psychology, I think, let me check. I think he said, yeah, being blocked. And I think, looking back this week, there was a moment of being blocked because my ego or my rational mind was attached to this decision, which there was no ramification if I went there or didn't go there. I mean, um, it was an event and it would have, it, would, it takes place with or without me. It's just like my mind thought like, you know, oh, you already agreed on going and and I was in a moment paralyzed and blocked because the natural flow that my body was trying to say is like, no, no, actually, you don't feel like, you don't, you don't want to go there. And there was like this moment of being blocked, of hesitating, of not allowing to let go of what my natural flow, my inner world, my inner nature really wanted to communicate with me. And again, it's so hard when in this moment you don't know exactly why, because on on a rational level, there's nothing wrong. There's, you know, of course, why why don't you? But deep, deep down, something new, I shouldn't. And once I made the decision, um, wow, you know, like you, it was a relief, not just the moment when I made the decision, but the next day it felt so light and so good. It's like, yes, it was a good decision. And I trusted my body, and I. And whenever, whenever you do it, and whenever you make this decision to trust your body, you build up your intuition. You make your in, intuition muscles stronger and stronger. And this can be applied to so many things in life. And I'm not talking about, you know, I mentioned this many times. So surrendering and letting go is not a state of laziness and being pushed around. Quite contrary. The state of letting go and complete surrender is a is a path of participation. Participating in this world, but having faith that how you participate and why you participate is way beyond you. But you there's like this inner knowing and inner intuition that you go this path and you tap into this knowledge and wisdom. And that is scary because it's uncertain. You don't see the plan. You don't see the future. You don't know. It's not that something that you made up. It's something that was brought to you. That's the difference. It's not a dream based on fears, insecurities, wishes, desires. It is something that's it's a knowing without seeing. And having complete faith. That's the key difference. And obviously you can live a life completely ignoring this inner intuition and you try to grasp on life by planning everything out and keeping everything under control, but it's like building a dam for a river. It takes a lot of energy to hold back that water. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, energy, it takes a lot of mental capacity, emotional capacity to hold back that water where it actually naturally wants to go. And yeah, at some point, maybe the water will tip over because it wants to break free. That's the path of surrendering. That's the path of letting go. 
And that's actually, am I might talk in one of the flow series, is about this. Actually, we have we know nowadays that there's something called cognitive load, and being inauthentic is actually increasing your cognitive load because you have to hold on to all the roles, the things you think you have to be, you have to say, you have to act. It's we we know it. We can, we can nowadays we can see it in MRI scans that it takes energy, same as whole building a, a dam for a river, and that's the path of being non-authentic and not true to your inner nature. All right, I'll come. This comes to an end. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it. And you haven't done so yet, I'm always happy for if you can give it a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or, you know, if you think like this, an episode you can recommend to a friend, really much appreciated. Thank you so much. And most importantly, thank you for tuning in and taking your time to listen to this episode. I wish you a wonderful, wonderful day wherever you are right now. And I give you a lot of strength in trusting your intuition. Um, your intuition already knows more than you think. All right, have a wonderful day.